Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is Josh Summers, your host, and you're listening to Everyday Sublime. It's an honor and pleasure to have you here. This podcast is my attempt to reflect on, share teachings on, have conversations around the idea of a full-spectrum spirituality. That's a spirituality that includes the highs, the lows, and the plateaus. Um, And before I give you today's episode, which is a a talk I gave on mindfulness of breathing and beyond, um, and I also include a short guided meditation on breathing here, um, I want to share with you uh, an update around an offering that my partner Terry Coburn and I will be giving this August. So the concept of this offering, which is a two-part practice series with us, but the concept of this uh, offering is based around the, the Sanskrit term sadhana. Sadhana refers to the discipline of practice that leads to samadhi. Samadhi is the stillness, the unification of being. So sadhana is really the the heart energy, the heart activity of the spiritual path. So we'll be uh, starting to offer what we call sadhana sessions. These are going to be two uh, practice sessions, two-part practice sessions, where we explore an energetic, elemental, and contemplative theme related to the season and sort of time of year that we're in. So in this case, the sadhana sessions that we'll be offering are going to be organized around the theme of summer, uh, the energy of fire, and in Chinese medicine, this season and this element are associated with the organ, the Chinese organ of the heart. The heart in Chinese medicine ensures the circulation of our blood as we wouldn't think of it in Western terms. But the other part of the, the main part of the heart in Chinese medicine is that the heart is the organ that houses our spirit. It is the, uh, the organ that, that is the home to our spirit. And when the heart is at peace, when the circulation is good, uh, it's not overheated, the spirit can rest and be calm and still within its own home. And so that's the broad theme of this upcoming two-part sadhana session series. Um, these, these, these practice sessions will be on the first and second Saturday mornings of August, so August 6th and August 13th. Now, those will be at 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, when we'll be broadcasting from our home in Maine. And if you can join live over Zoom at that time, great. And if you can't, if, you have to, if you're engaged at that particular time, not to worry. These practice sessions will be in, uh, they'll be recorded. You'll have access to the recordings in our library when you register. So whether you can attend live or attend virtually, we want to invite you to practice with us um, for these sessions. Each session, what you can expect is each session will be three hours of, of, of deep practice. So this is a time for deep practice reset. And uh, Terry will be teaching elemental qigong and yin yoga practices to harmonize our bodies and energy. And I will then pick up from where she hands me the baton and guide you into some dharma reflections and meditation reflections, which then feed into a time of contemplative sitting. So we'll have a meditation followed by um, some prompts that I'll give around your experience in the meditation, some time to journal about what you reflect on, and then ample time for discussion as a community. So it's it's really a, a holistic, integral approach to bringing together 
the, our core practices of yin yoga, qigong, and meditation, and giving you, uh, the practitioner, a chance to engage with them, to get some input, some insight, some creativity, um, to ultimately support your ongoing practice. So if you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you, and there's a link for you in the show notes for that. Uh, again, sadhana sessions this August, the first two August, first two Saturdays of August, August 6th and August 13th. There's a link for you in the show notes. And the theme, which I'll just dangle here, the theme is the crane's stillness, practicing poise in body and mind and heart. Now, without further ado, I'll give you today's talk and guided meditation, and I hope these reflections also support your practice. All the best, stay cool, stay safe, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. For this evening, I'm just going to offer some reflections around... um, really mindfulness and breathing and beyond. So this talk is going to be called Mindfulness, Breathing and Beyond. And um, I'm intending to build on what I began with last week. Um, And I've introduced this at times before, but really um, last week I, I introduced bringing awareness to our breathing, particularly in the belly. And I want to talk about that emphasis of the practice and try to put uh, give you a sense of an understanding for why that instruction is often given and to give you that understanding I, I want to kind of reflect on what's going on with breath awareness in within the broader context of what we might call the spiritual path which um, in, in Buddhist definition or in, in Buddhist terms the path is defined as a path of cultivating, wisdom and compassion or insight and and clarity of perception and kindness and compassion. And as a a meditation teacher, I, um, well, as a practitioner, I should say, as a practitioner, I I was first given instructions around breath awareness as as the foundational basis of, of the practice. And uh, the longer I practiced, and when I started to share the teaching, um, I started to move away from sharing the breath awareness practice because I kept encountering over and over again people that were getting into difficulty with it, that were, you know, becoming very spiritually frustrated by their inability to keep their attention on their breath. And um, and so I think the as I talk about this, I want to name what I think is one of the most common misperceptions that people have about what's supposed to happen when you, when you bring mindfulness to breathing. Um, and I think the biggest mis- misconception, if I could name it this way, is that people think mindfulness of breathing is about the breath. So are they able to keep their attention on their breath? Are they able to notice subtlety of the breath? Are they um, able to prevent their mind from being with something other than the breath? And in framing the practice that way, every time people come to the realization that their mind has departed from the breath, there's a sense of often an inner sense of, uh, of failure, of error, of um, not able to control your attention in a, in a respectable way, <laughs> in a certain sense. 
Um, and, and I think that's all, uh, that whole perception of mindfulness of breathing um, really moves counter to the, the heart of the path. And so I want to try to speak about how practicing mindfulness of breathing can be um, used as a wonderful um, tool for cultivating the path and not get it into the, the patterns of tension and frustration that can often uh, generate. So to speak about the breath and mindfulness of breathing, it, it's helpful to have a, at least a, um, a functional definition of mindfulness. And this is another term that I haven't really spoken about in quite, quite some time, um, partly because there's one definition uh, that kind of dominates the, the mindfulness landscape right now. And, and um, if you read around, uh, you'll find that there's, there's multiple definitions given for this Pali term sati that we call mindfulness. And um, I, I'll confess, I, I have fallen into the, the kind of the, um, the boxing ring of trying to figure out which is the correct definition. I battled it out with friends like, well, that one is bad because it has this word and that's confusing. And then well, what does that one over there really mean? And so rather than trying to, to establish what the, what the legitimate, official, correct definition of mindfulness is, um, I want to suggest that you think of the definition in functional terms. So when you, you engage with the word defined as I'm about to define it, how does that um, engagement function in terms of your ability to understand yourself, to see into yourself and to develop kindness and compassion in relationship to yourself as a, as a beginning before uh, expanding that awareness beyond yourself. So this definition uh, comes from a contemporary monk in the United States named Bhante. Bhante is a term for monk, for monastic. His name is Bhante uh, Vimlarasi. And he defines mindfulness as the faculty that allows us to notice how the mind moves, how the attention of the mind moves from one thing to the next. So mindfulness is the faculty of mind, the capacity of mind to notice how the mind's attention moves from one thing to the next. So if you feel your body and while feeling your body, you notice your attention picking up a sound and then you notice your attention kind of latching onto a, a stream of thought, which triggers another stream of thought. And then you feel your body again. This movement of attention, which is in some ways spontaneous, this movement attention can be tracked by mindfulness to notice how the mind moves from one thing to the next. And the question is, I think, from that definition, as I was preparing tonight, you know, a question that I imagine might arise in one of your minds or many of your minds is, why is that capacity or how is that capacity important? either in life or, in, or on the spiritual path. So why is mindfulness important? Because this is a, a particular function 
of awareness. It's it's a you know it's not lost in dreamland. It's a it's a it's a grounded presence that can track how the mind moves from one thing to the next. And so one of the reasons why I think it's um, very important is that without mindfulness, we tend to be in a state of absent-mindedness or mindlessness or in uh, more unskillful states, reactiveness. So when we're not present and noticing how the mind is moving from one thing to the next, we tend to be a little bit asleep at the wheel or sleepwalking. And the way we live, think, speak, and behave is often just um, behavior that's conditioned from the past to which we are mindlessly reacting, which isn't to say we can't respond to what's happening. But when we're not aware of how the mind is moving and what the mind is landing on, we tend to get caught in cycles of reactivity. So mindfulness, you know, in, in a very important Buddhist sense, is the faculty that supports the, the uh, I don't want to say the, um, the creation, but it supports the development of wisdom. So it's not saying we, we, we don't have wisdom already. It, it helps deepen a, a, a sense of wisdom in that we can look more closely into kind of the finer gradations of our experience, how we're seeing our experience, how we're relating to our experience, and then ultimately in terms of how we respond to our experience. So we're coming back to the, how, the, how breathing, a mindfulness of breathing supports the development of this faculty. Again, meaning that mindfulness of breathing is not about just keeping your attention on the breath, it's about using the breath, developing a sensitivity of awareness or sensitivity of presence that allows you to see in real time how the mind is moving, how the mind moves from one thing to the next. So there's, I jotted down four aspects of mindfulness, four characteristics, four qualities, four dimensions of mindfulness that I think are um, are helpful to appreciate and, and explore in your practice. Um, and the first is that mindfulness, one way of looking at it is it, it's the, the faculty of mind that becomes awake to real-time events. So it's, that's another way of, it's a, of a paraphrased way of saying, mindfulness roots us in the present moment. So in the present moment, in the, the immediacy of now, when we're mindful, we're awake to real-time events. What's actually occurring moment to moment as we experience it. Now this, I want to be, add in a little bit of nuance here and, and say, this can include the past and future. We can be in real time, we can be with real time events in a way that includes the past and future um, because we can start to see that 
and this is sometimes I always hesitate to say this because it reminds me of kind of the, the deep thoughts we could say in college at times, but the past, when the, the experience of the past is always experienced now. When we experience the past, the past arises now with thought, memory, feeling, sensation, associated thoughts that, that point us to past conditions that we've experienced as they arise now. And the future, the ideas of the future, the imaginations of the future, in many respects, are born out of our experience from the past and what we project and anticipate to come. But all the thoughts, feelings, sensations, emotions, imaginations that arise about what the future might be occur now. So the mindfulness that I'm pointing to allows us to be awake to the real-time flow of these experiences. So that's one aspect, that it's awake to real-time events. Another aspect, and this is, I think, conveyed by uh, the part of the, the definition of mindfulness that John Kabat-Zinn gives, which is, his word is non-judgmental. Um, I'll use the word inclusive. And, and the only reason I, I tend to prefer the word inclusive for this quality of mindfulness is that when people hear it's mindfulness is non-judgmental, they get upset with themselves when they notice their mind judging. I, I've heard this so many times, like and it, it will come back to, to watching the breath. They judge themselves for not being able to keep their attention on their breath for whatever degree of time they think is satisfactory. So when they notice their mind wandering, they judge themselves for not keeping their attention on the, on the breath in a more continuous, undivided, unbroken way. But then they realize they're judging themselves. And to be mindful, you're not supposed to be judging. <laughs> and so it becomes this, this, this circle that uh, we've, we've reflected on before. So I try to suggest to offer the word inclusive. It's an inclusiveness of awareness. It's an inclusiveness of presence that doesn't suppress, it doesn't repress, it doesn't deny, it doesn't cling or hold on. It's inclusive of what's here, the truth of what your experience is. And if the truth of your experience is that, that you're noticing judgment, that's your mindfulness can be inclusive of that. And I wanna suggest that your mindfulness be inclusive of that. So it's awake to real-time events, Mindfulness is inclusive of just what's occurring. And these next two are kind of interrelated, I think. Uh, but, well, they're all interrelated in some sense. But the next word I wrote down is mindfulness is a, like a holistic awareness. It's holistic in its scope, meaning it's inclusive of as many layers of experience that can be known. So sometimes in the, in the old commentaries, in the old texts about Buddhist practice, they describe mindfulness as being non-superficial. And I think um, 
that, that term non-superficial is getting at what I'm trying to get at with this idea of holistic awareness. In that, when we're mindless, going back to the, the antithesis of mindfulness, when we're not awake to real-time events, when we're kind of lost in the presentation of our thinking, we're just lost in thought, kind of reactively flowing with, with the thoughts in our head, we tend to see and experience ourselves and the world through that narrow film of thought. It's not that the thoughts aren't real. And it's not that the thoughts aren't important. It's just that when we are lost in our thinking and, and, and sort of the, the aperture of our awareness contracts to only being kind of absorbed within the nest of our thoughts, we lose a holistic perception of our embodiment, the feeling tones, the sensations, the felt sense of our body, and we can lose connection to our environment, to, to the immediacy of others, and you know, literally the natural environment. So, um, Trunkwa used the word panoramic. And this, this gets to the idea of inclusivity and holisticness. That, that mindfulness is an awareness that's, that's open to receiving all the layers of our moment-to-moment -moment experience. So that, in, in a kind of a Buddhist analysis, includes our body, how the body's feeling, includes the energetic tone or the emotional tone within the body and the, and the shifting weather patterns of those tones. It includes our mind. And, and by that, it refers primarily to what we're thinking. And then in deeper stages of, of, of mindfulness practice, realizing the nature of awareness itself, mindfulness becoming aware of awareness. But the fourth aspect that I want to just mention, put on the table, is that, and I think I'm quoting Joseph Goldstein here, who may be quoting somebody else. Um, but he, I remember Joseph saying, mindfulness doesn't change experience, it deepens it. Mindfulness doesn't change experience, it deepens it. So some of you I know have probably, um, at one point or another, done the mindfulness raisin taste taste test where you're 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 given some uh, basic mindfulness instructions for a little while to really feel your body to come into presence to settle your calm your nervous system with your breathing and then you're given a raisin and you're told to put the raisin into your mouth very slowly and then to take several minutes to let the raisin dissolve in your mouth and you experience this incredible incredible explosion of flavor and texture and subtlety and this whole kind of galactic world in the, in the taste of the raisin. And that's what John Kabat-Zinn is getting at with that, with that, with that um, experiment or that, that exercise, that when you're fully present, it doesn't, it's not changing the molecular structure of the raisin that you put in your mouth. It's not changing the biochemistry of what's at play, but when we're really present, 
the experience is much deeper. It's not changing the experience. It's just, it, you could say the awareness picks up and it resonates within our, our being more deeply. And it's the, this ability to train our mind to become more mindful that meditation practice really supports. That there's a, there's a direct relationship between kind of the, our mindfulness quota or quotient, if you will, and our practice and, and the sincerity of our practice. So I, we'll be going into a meditation shortly, but given some of these reflections I've offered around what mindfulness is, I want to speak just briefly about how mindfulness of breathing supports the development of this capacity of mindfulness. So again, it's not about keeping the mind just on the breath, or as Ajahn Chah kind of almost derisively would say, a hen can stay on her nest very still minding her eggs. That doesn't mean the hen is enlightened or endowed with wisdom. So just stillness in itself is not, you know, being still or being really focused in a laser-like way does not support wisdom in, in the Buddhist sense. It doesn't support compassion. It, it's a balanced view of how the mind moves from one thing to the next that really opens up the nature of the mind, of our nature, the nature of ourselves, and the nature of our relationship to things. So how does breathing support mindfulness? Three ways I'm going to mention tonight. Um, these are not, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just um, some points that I'd like you to, you know, uh, tune into a little bit in your practice. So the first is, and, and this will hopefully will make sense if you've been working with the yin meditation instructions, but the first is that the breathing becomes a, um, becomes a reference point for how your mind is moving. If you don't put your mind somewhere and try to, you know, to, and, 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 and more or less try to establish a presence with that experience, you won't be able to see how your mind is jumping as clearly, how your mind is moving, how your mind is shifting positions, attending to this and attending to that. So the, the perch of the breath, in addition to supporting a sense of safety and calm, the perch of the breath gives us a reference point for the development of clearly starting to see how our minds move. Now, the common mistake I identified is that most people think practice of the breath is about keeping your attention on the breath. I know I've shared this before, but when I, when I would report to my Burmese teacher, you know, with, a, with not a, um, uh, without uh, enough modesty, that's, that's the phrase I was looking for. When I would report to my Burmese teacher without enough modesty and sort of brag, I was able to keep my attention on my breath for a minute and a half. You know, he would ring the bell and say, try harder. 
I said, okay, so I'll try harder. And then I, you know, I'd go practice another day and come back and say, I think I was able to keep my attention sustained on my breath for five minutes, thinking trying harder would, would prove to him that I was worthy of, of keeping my attention focused on the breath. And he'd ring the bell and say, try harder. So eventually I, um, I really got honest with myself when I was watching my mind move from one thing to the next. And I realized within one breath, with one in, within one inhalation, my mind had jumped between two or five, 10 things. And when I went back and, and kind of ate some humble pie and reported that, he said, oh, now you're finally starting to see your mind. So I'm using this example because what felt to me like bad practice and like I wasn't making any progress was exactly the, the, the level of seeing and understanding of how the mind is moving that my teacher wanted was encouraging me to develop. So it's, I'm just trying to reframe people's relationship to working with the breath. Expect your mind to move. That's the whole intention of watching your mind on your breath so you can see how your mind moves. It's a reference point. In addition to being a reference point, um, I want to suggest that working with the breathing is a, an exercise that can help refine the sensitivity of your awareness. Which isn't to say we're trying to seek out a specific experience of breathing, like a long breath or a light breath or a deep breath or a specific kind of breath. We want to let the breath be natural. But in allowing the breath to be natural and to keep your attention interested in the naturalness of the breath, that requires a quiet sensitivity of presence. So uh, I, I think of musicians and I, uh, who will practice long tones, whether singers or wind instrumentalists, they practice a long tone to, to generate a smooth, rich sound for each note. And with breathing, we're not trying to create the quality of the breath or change the quality of the breath. We're trying to develop or recognize a consistently sensitive presence to the in-breath and out-breath. What I'm trying to say is the, the, the tool, the exercise of breathing is a way to refine the sensitivity of our awareness. What is our awareness able to see within this dynamic? What is it not quite able to see? So it's, a, it's like a, 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 a sharpening stone for a knife that we pass our attention over the breath again and again, sharpening how clear, how refined is our sensitivity of attention. And then from that, the third thing I'll say is, suggest is that Mindfulness of breathing helps support a calm presence. So this, this is the idea of how in yin meditation, the perch, when we really get comfortable with the perch, 
we, we find safety and, and, and we can trust the perch. Being with the perch allows us to calmly be open to what's occurring. We can calmly look upon, we can bring a calm presence to agitation, calm states in general, restlessness, anxiety, fear, you know, the normal, the whole gamut really, I shouldn't say normal, but the gamut of human emotion. That from a reference point of this calm awareness of breathing, that allows us to look more closely and see more clearly how the mind's moving from one thing to the next and how we're relating to what's going on, what's coming up. So in the, just to conclude, my hope in this talk is to give, um, well, first to, to really speak to how um, in the instructions that I'm sharing, the reflections about meditation, the instructions that I'm giving, we're moving, we're kind of in this gentle movement in the year from the first half of the year, which was emphasizing compassion and kindness and understanding to the difficulties that can come up and how to, how to really develop a good relationship to experiences that arise in our practice and in our, in, in our life. And from that foundation of good relationship, kindness and compassion, this now supports the second wing of uh, the bird of awakening. So the first wing is the compassion wing. The second wing is the wisdom wing. How clearly can we see moment to moment experience? How clearly can we see how our mind moves from one thing to the next? It's the mindfulness capacity that, that grows into the experience of wisdom, of seeing very deeply. So <clears throat> the first half of the year, we've been really developing and, and I've been trying to emphasize the compassion side, but now we're moving sort of mid-year, mid-summer into moving more into the wisdom side, which doesn't disclude or discount the, the compassion side, but now it builds on that. And off, I'm going to be offering more and more reflections around um, mindfulness and specifically in the Buddhist context, how that relates to shamatha vipassana, calm presence or calm clarity of what's occurring um, and how that helps support the, uh, the ongoing development of wisdom. Wisdom, the clearer we see, the deeper we see and feel, the more we will then bring compassion to what we encounter. So these are, these are not two separate practices. They're, they all fit within the, the framework of yin meditation as I'm trying to, to share it. Um, but we're now we're moving more into um, exploring mindfulness and tonight mindfulness of breathing and ultimately mindfulness of everything beyond breathing. So let's um, come to a sit and we'll practice mindfulness together. So as we gather as a loose, loosely connected community, 
and as we gather within ourselves, Maybe just sit with that, that inclination that we begin with to gather. What does it mean to gather yourself, all of yourself here? You can talk about it as different layers, but really these are aspects of distinction without difference, meaning the body isn't separate from our emotions, which aren't separate from our mind. But feel through your body. Feel feel through your body for a few moments and Let any tension receive the invitation to soften. My my experience is bodily tensions don't soften um, at will. It's not like a light switch. Oh, let's put the, the soften the body light on just flip the switch. It's not that simple. But we can let the body know this is a time to relax. Let your body know it's time to discharge any holding tension in its own way, its own timeline. And from the softening of your body, feel into your mental landscape, feel feel the, the mood, the tone, the terrain of your mind. And just notice the way it feels 
noisy, quiet, <clears throat> jumbled, incoherent, coherent, focused. So as we all sit quietly, listening to the momentariness in the moment to moment experience flowing through the body and mind. feeling, sensing, noticing like this from relaxation. If you find it helpful, you can allow your awareness to settle, descend, and relax into the belly. And like last week, if you found placing a palm one of your hands at the lower belly, you find that helpful, by all means use that contact of the hand for support. So if mindfulness is practicing, or is the faculty that notices how the mind moves from one thing to the next, the breathing is just a place to start. So we can track where we go.
And whenever we lose the thread of where we are, we can start over and come back to the simple flow of the rising and falling of the belly. The Burmese teachers would compare awareness to an open spider's web. Awareness is wide open, inclusive of moment to moment events. And the spider is in a sense, the mindfulness knowing, seeing what's occurring within the web of awareness. And when nothing particular is going on, the spider hangs out in the center of their web. So the web center is analogous to the Awareness of breathing, the center of the belly. It's a place to hang out, rest. But as and when something lands in the web of your awareness, so the sound, a thought, a thought stream, a dream moment or two or several, a sensation somewhere, a memory. The practice is just to know how the mind moves on its own to observe the movement, not to suppress it, not to stop it, just to see it. So I offer these reflections this evening from relaxation, feel the flow of sensations in your belly as you breathe in naturally, feel the sensations in your belly as you breathe out naturally. And use the breath as a reference point to see how the mind moves from one thing to another. And when you can't remember where your mind has been moving or you're not sure what's happening, This is when we can begin again. Relax, 
come back into the belly. Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's talk and guided meditation. Um, in the discussion in the Sangha, there was um, some really uh, good reflections that were shared. People felt like the, the permission to just let their mind move and to watch their mind move from one thing to the next, to use the breath as that reference point. Many members shared that they, that, that, that simple reframe um, open their minds up to some more nuance, some more depth, and more understanding around how their minds were moving and how they were relating to what their minds were experiencing. And um, the development seemed to be that there was greater ease, greater softness, greater allowance, greater, greater acceptance, and more peace. So that's all gratifying to hear, and I hope some of these reflections and teachings that I offer um, provide similar benefit to you and your practice. But before I go, one more uh, shout out to the upcoming Sadhana Sessions uh, practice series. So this will be a two-part practice series coming up. There's a link for you in the show notes. You can head over to joshsummers.net forward slash events. But Terry and I would love to see you and have you practice with us in these sessions. We're really excited about the format. Um, and, 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 and the, the way that we think that this is going to help support individuals to really dig in and, and, and experience a deepening of their own personal practice um, and in particularly their own personal practice within these particular times. So we look forward to practicing with you and until we see you next, stay safe, stay strong, stay cool, keep practicing and we wish you all our best. Take good care. Thank you.